Good morning, everybody. Won't you join us as we worship this morning? Glorious day. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my
God is good, amen? I mean, uh, welcome to the bridge. Uh, if you're new, please fill out one of these cards so we have a record of your, of your visit with us. Um, it just seems like every week God is just bringing, just increasing the flock, bringing new people, amen? And uh, I don't know, I got, woo, I mean. It's a good thing. I mean, uh, we've come through so much, you know, from the start of the pandemic and and the numbers falling low. And uh, to see his faithfulness. I mean, uh, yeah, amen. Um, for tithing, we tithe in the back. Just so you let you know, you can go to www.bridgenc.com. Click on the gift tab. Gift tab. Um, let's make sure that we keep praying for one another. Prayer and supplication. It's important. Um, Adam, how's mom doing? And dad? Adam, Gene, Sheila, how they're doing? Okay, amen, amen. Yes, thank you, Lord. Um, Let's keep praying for Miss Ella Oliver, Kenny Oliver. Um, Miss Kenneth Childers hit my heart the other day. Um, is he doing well? Yes, so just keep him lifted up. Um, all our church family. Um, like I said, it's just one, 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 one part of the body is missing. We all hurt. Um, like I said, we're all going through something. We don't know what it, what it may be, but we're all going through something. There's something in our life that's trying to pull us down. The devil's always constantly at work. He's a destroyer, a deceiver, a liar. And he's constantly going to battle with us, and he's constantly going to work on us. So we got to constantly stay in God's word, constantly, you know, keep lifting each other up. Any other praise reports, prayer requests? Um, pray for the family, the one that has baby. Right. Uh, So the Lewis family and the little baby having trouble breathing. The granddad said he thought maybe he didn't want to die because they're not able to get in there because they're passing away. Right. Okay. Anybody else? Um, Joe, you got a tournament coming up next week. So, uh, and then last week we did the, the lunches and all that. So, hey, amen, praise to that. Um, it's an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, for those that may not know, Joel is part of a basketball program and, and to try to reach the youth, and there's so many youth, over a hundred probably? Eighty. Um, and just trying to come alongside of Joel, um, packing bag lunches for when they go to these tournaments that are out of town. Um, some of the youth in this area are, are extremely unfortunate in the situations that they're in. So for us to be able to come alongside of Joel and help in that cause is uh, is extremely um, gratifying. So uh, keep, just let that sink in on you. And if there's any way you can help, just contact with Joel, get in with Joel. And I'm sure there's some other ladies that did the lunches last week, so that's all. One last thing, Dave and Rona McVicker have a kitchen table and four chairs that are in really good shape. And they want to donate it 
to anybody in church who wants it. If not, they're going to they're gonna donate it. So if you have need of that, please contact them. Okay, so Michael, brother, you want to lead us in prayer? Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to be in your house, Lord, to be in your presence, Lord. We just come, Lord, to lift up your name. Lord, we lift up our petitions before you, Lord, for our family. Lord, we lift it up for healing, Lord, and for comfort. Lord, we ask that you be with our pastor as he brings the word and the message, Lord, and be with our church family as we go and come, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And it's, at this time of year, it's hard for us to imagine the depth of that love that God has for us. It's, it's just, he sent his only son to earth to live and die for our sins. All the stuff that we did, all the stuff that we're going to do. And that's a big love there. This song talks about how he loves us. And he is our 
prize Drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes If his grace were an ocean We're all sinking So heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss And my heart turns violently inside of my chest I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way oh, how he loves us all oh, how he loves us how he loves us all how he loves yes he
darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. I'm gonna see a victory.
Aren't you glad that the battle's his? Aren't you doubly glad it's already won? Amen. He's not fighting to win. He's already won. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter number 3. The Gospel of John chapter number 3 is your turning there. I want to make just a few announcements that I did not get to Billy in time to, to get made this morning. Um, Easter Sunday morning, uh, we will be having an outdoor service, um, a, a drive-in service where people will have the opportunity um, to attend from their car or a beach chair, however you decide um, to uh, attend Easter Sunday morning, we would love to have you with us, love to have your family with us. Um, we'll also be serving a meal uh, on the grounds, and it will be outside, so I would encourage you to bring your um, beach chairs or um, lounge chairs, bring a recliner, I'll sit in it, um, and we will be serving a meal. So we're asking for volunteers um, in several areas, uh, we're going to need some uh, guys to help us with assisting with parking um, because we'll be parking cars out in the field. And remember, this will be weather permitting. Uh, that field gets real soft. when it, I can preach in the rain, but that field gets soft. Um, so we'll, we'll need help parking. Also, um, we are, are going to need some ladies or gentlemen, uh, just a few um, that would volunteer to prepare that meal, or we can cater it if we don't um, have those volunteers. But just um, we will need that. Also, uh, we'll need some folks to show up here early that morning to help us get set up, um, and then some to stay afterwards, of course, to help us tear down and get everything cleaned up. There are some sign-up sheets at the welcome desk out front. Um, if you're going out the door, they're on the left-hand side there. Um, and, and there's, there's one for each one of those areas. If you want to help prepare food, um, or if you want to serve, or if you want to help with parking or set up or tear down, um, there's a list there. Just put your name on it, um, and we'll be glad to get you connected. Um, also, um, revival, um, we're going to have... Reverend Shane Jackson, Pastor Shane from Landrum, South Carolina, um, here with us April the 9th through the 12th. Um, revival will begin that Sunday morning on April the 9th. And Saturday, prior to revival, we'll be having a drama. We did not have one 
uh, or will not be having one as usual this year for Easter. Um, everything just seems like it's been put on hold this past year, but uh, we, we certainly want to have that, and we're going to do it. The plan is um, on the 8th, that Saturday night before revival begins, be a wonderful opportunity uh, to bring your friends and your family. I believe the theme um, is going to be from grave um, to garden. Um, is that right, Joan? Graves into gardens. Okay, I should have let her announce this. Um, so we're, we're really excited. I, I want you to uh, join with us in prayer. And, and this is a really, really simple prayer. It comes right, right out of the Psalms. And it is just quite simply this. Please put this at the top of your prayer list. Lord, will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee. I'm telling you, people need to cheer up. Amen? Um, and, and we look for God to move uh, in, in our midst during this revival. Also, <clears throat> we're getting our men's and our women's ministry um, started back up. There are sign-up sheets as well. Boy, we've got a lot of sign-up sheets going around here. Um, out on the, 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 at the Welcome Center, uh, one says men's ministry, the other says ladies' ministry. Listen, this is where discipleship happens. This is where uh, we, we not only learn and grow in our faith, this is where uh, we, we minister and put our hands to the plow. It's a wonderful opportunity to get connected in, in a smaller group setting where we are able to fellowship and get to know each other and serve alongside of each other. My voice is trying to go this morning, so, so pray for me. Um, we're going to start both our men's and ladies' ministry back up with a series um, studying um, in a, a, a book. The title of the book is Radical. Um, it's probably the book that has challenged me more than any other apart from Scripture on a personal level in my own walk with Christ. So I would encourage um, every man and woman um, to uh, engage at least in this, this, Bible, or this Bible study. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I think the cost of the materials is like $28 or $30 or something like that, but, but please do not allow the cost of the materials hinder you uh, from signing up for this study. Uh, I, I believe so much that it will impact and change your life. We will pay for the materials if we need to. Um, so I will be leading our men's study to our men's group until um, God shows us somebody else to step up to the helm and, and, and lead our men's ministry. And then Blair um, will be leading our ladies' ministry until uh, Miss Sheila is able to come back. As most of you know, Miss Sheila uh, is in rehab right now, uh, have, having battled, been battling with COVID. Uh, so we want to continue to pray for her. And you pray for Blair as um, she steps out of her comfort zone and um, tries to lead, not tries, leads our ladies um, in this new role of ministry in her life. Was there anything else? Um, oh, yeah, uh, an apology. I owe everybody an apology. I know you couldn't see all of the words on the screen this morning, and that was my fault. Um, we were in here working this, this weekend, 
and before I took the scaffolding down, I forgot to adjust the projector on the wall, so we will take care of that um, before Wednesday night rolls around. Do apologize to our media, our audio team. Uh, they work so hard to make sure everything is just right, and, and they got to work with me, so uh, we, we certainly appreciate all that they do. All right, John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3, very, very familiar passage of Scripture, I hope, um, to each of us. John 3, verse 1. The Bible says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must... Be born again. You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master, a teacher of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I have told you of earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man ascended to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, aren't you glad, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Father, we are so grateful for the very privilege to be able to open up a copy of the Word of God this morning. 
And Lord, we realize that we have an insurmountable task ahead of us. And apart from the guidance, the leadership, the unction of the Holy Spirit, I will fail miserably. So I confess to you this morning that I need your help in communicating the truth of this text. Come, Holy Spirit, for the sake, the cause, and the kingdom of Christ. Have your will and your way. Open up our hearts. Do surgery. Change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. amen. And amen. I was privileged several years ago now to begin cultivating a relationship with a man who has become a dear, dear friend of mine. His name is Jim Hardy. Jim and his wife Pam live here part of the year, and then they live in the mountains part of the year. Kind of got the best of both worlds. Jim shared with me how he came to faith in Christ. Jim met Pam when he was 20 years old. They fell in love and got married. Now, both of them grew up in church. This is not intended in any way to detract or build up, tear down, or elevate one denomination or one church from another. That's not my intent here. Jim grew up in a Methodist church. And his wife, Pam, grew up in Church of the Brethren. So when they got married, they had to decide where they would call home. Where would they put down roots together to serve the Lord? Well, Jim visited Miss Pam's church for the first time, and he heard in that church... This simple phrase, you must be born again. Jim left that surface, service perplexed. He got in the car and on his way home with Miss Pam, he asked her, what did that pastor mean? You must be born again. And God began dealing with him on that text and at 20 years old, Jim Hardy was born again. His name was penned in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now what intrigued me, or should I say maybe even disturbed me, is Jim told me that he had been in church for 20 years and never was told you must be born again. How do you attend church for 20 years and never be confronted with the reality that you cannot enter into the kingdom of God? You cannot even see the kingdom of God except 
you are born again. I don't have any answers to that question, but I can assure you of one thing. If you attend this church more than two or three times, you're going to hear you must be born again. Jesus thought it so necessary that in his conversation with this religious leader of the nation of Israel, he changed the subject and the topic of the conversation to this very point. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now we need to understand something about Nicodemus in order to grasp the gravity or the brevity of this text because Nicodemus didn't only grow up in church. He was a leader of the Old Testament church. The Bible says he was a Pharisee. Not only was he a Pharisee, but he was a ruler of the Jews. He would have held two preeminent positions in the religious system of Judaism in his day and time. First, he was the member of the Pharisees. Now, in Jesus' day and time, there were approximately 6,000 Pharisees in the nation of Israel, and their primary responsibility was understanding, teaching, and living their lives according to the law. So, as a Pharisee, Nicodemus' primary concern with life would have been to live a life that pleases God. A life that honors God. A life that God could look at and smile upon. And by the way, that should be the heart of every Christian. As a member of the Sanhedrin, Nicodemus not only had to be able to understand the law, interpret the law, but apply it to civil and government matters. In that group, there were only 70 that served in the Sanhedrin. So this isn't just some ordinary guy off the streets. This is not his first Sunday school class. Nicodemus would have known the Bible. I I believe Nicodemus was the kind of man that if he were to be alive and living with us today, he would be that guy in church that moms would look to and say, that's what I want my child to grow up to be like. He's one that we would look to as a role model. He would have been very moral in the choices that he made. He would try his best to live a life of righteousness. Now remember in Jesus' day and time, there was 
An hour of prayer three times a day when religious Jews and certainly the Pharisees would make their way to the temple, not for a buffet, a barbecue, or even a church service, but for no other reason than to gather and pray. Think what commitment it would take for you to make the effort to be at church three times a day every day for a prayer meeting. That's the kind of guy that Nicodemus was. Nicodemus believed that the keeping of the law, keeping God's commandments, was the way to be in a right relationship with God. If there was a way to heaven in Nicodemus' mind... It was by taking what God gave as Ten Commandments and then the Pharisees turned into the, the Torah and the Mishnah turned literally ten laws into more than 600 traditions and customs. And if I can just keep these rules... I can be right with God. So, so Nicodemus, if, if in, in, in a real simple way of trying to explain the character and the conduct of Nicodemus, if all he had were the Ten Commandments, he would have lived his life in such a way that every day he's going down those commandments and checking them off. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Well, I was in church Saturday. I, I've done pretty well this week. Honor thy father and thy mother. Well, well I've been respectful of my parents this week. I, I can check that one off. There, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. I've not lied. I can check that one off. I, I, I'm doing pretty good. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor. Oh, Lord. I just saw Jim down the road with a brand new boat. And I just blew it right there. I've just, bro listen, listen. I've just broken God's law. You, you see, the problem with sin is sin is not just hurting somebody. Sin offends the holy God of heaven. And yet Nicodemus prided himself on his ability to keep the law. Now this man comes to Jesus, and man, it's almost like he showed up at church on Sunday morning with his hands in the air. Did you know how he's talking to Jesus? M Master, we know that you're a teacher come from God because nobody can work these miracles that you do except God be with him. He's literally, it's almost like a, a one-man praise service. He's lifting Jesus up and, and exalting Christ. It's not that he doesn't have a relationship with Christ. Man, he's in worship. And Jesus looks at him and he sees something that we can't see. So he changes the subject. 
Nicodemus has not asked Jesus one thing about how to get to heaven. He's not asked Jesus what it's required to get into the kingdom of God. But the Bible says that Jesus, he didn't need the testimony of men because he knew what was in them. And you see, here's what I believe is taking place in this text is this man comes to Jesus and he's talking about everything except for what he's really thinking about. Y'all know anybody like that? There, there, going on inside of him that we can't see, but Jesus puts his finger right on it and he says, Nicodemus, except you be born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus somehow must have understood, man, I'm missing something. I mean, I'm, I'm doing my best to keep the law. I'm, I'm paying my tithes. I'm, I'm going to church. I'm, I'm keeping the commandments of God. But there's something missing. There's got to be more than getting into heaven than keeping all of these rules and regulations. What else can I do to make God happy? What else do I need to accomplish to turn the lock on heaven's door? And, and Jesus answers the question, that Nicodemus never asked with these simple words, you must be born again. Now, I say simple, but it confused Nicodemus. And if we're honest with ourselves, there's still a lot of confusion around what it means to be born again. You know, you don't learn in grammar school or high school or college what it means to be born again. In fact, you go anywhere in America today and the subject of conversation is not being born again. Unless you grow up in church or attend church, you're probably never going to hear you must be born again. That's a foreign concept in our current culture. Not many people grasp the idea or the reality of being born again. In fact, I think sometimes we do people and God an injustice by using biblical language without explanation. What good does it do to tell a man... You must be born again, and you can't tell him how. So, so Jesus understands Nicodemus can't grasp the depths of this simple statement, and he explains it in such a way that Nicodemus can understand. Aren't you glad that God does not want you to be confused? about how you get from here to heaven. So I, I want to take just a few moments, now that I've used up all of my time, I want to take just a few moments and try to uncover 
what it is Jesus is communicating to Nicodemus on this subject of being born again. First, Jesus gives an illustration from the scriptures. Now, now remember, Nicodemus is a student of the Bible. He's a student of the Word of God. And, and this might be a good place to say, you'll not get saved apart from the scriptures. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So, Jesus answered, verily, verily, in verse number 5, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter in to the kingdom of God. Now, that might not mean too much to, to you and me laying on the surface because we're probably not as educated in the Old Testament as Nicodemus was as a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. But Nicodemus would have known Ezekiel chapter number 36. And when Jesus made that statement, maybe Nicodemus' mind was supposed to went backwards into the Old Testament to the days of Ezekiel where God said through the pen of Ezekiel, listen to this, an explanation of what it means to be born again. Ezekiel chapter number 36, God speaking. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to do my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Now, God, in addressing this subject of a new spirit, a new heart, in teaching the nation of Israel, in three verses of Scripture, God uses the personal pronoun, I. Now, why does he does, do that? Because it's him, not you. You, you see, Nic Nicodemus' idea was salvation is something that I must do. And God says, no, what you need is a new heart and a new spirit, and that's something only I, God, can do. So the first thing that we need to understand about salvation is you can't do it, but God can. And now listen to what's required because God is acting as a surgeon in this text. He said, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a heart transplant. I'm going to take that stony heart, or we could say it this way, that hard heart. Anybody know any hard-hearted people? God says you is one. Okay? So God says, I'm going to take that hard heart out of you and give you a heart of flesh. I'm, I'm going to give you my spirit. So God's saying, salvation, Jesus is teaching. Man, it's just like back in the days of Ezekiel. If you're going to get into the kingdom of heaven... You've got to have a heart transplant. And by the way, you'd be a fool 
to try to do your own heart surgery. Amen. But, but, but listen, friend, do you understand that every religion in the world outside of biblically-based Christianity is a what I got to do to make God happy kind of religion? And, and, and God is saying, listen, what the purpose of the law is is not to teach you how you can perfectly please God. It's to show you that you cannot perfectly please God. And what you need is God to do something for you, in you, and through you that you cannot do for yourself. Now, I do want to stop right here just a minute and say that if God has done a heart transplant in you, it will change you. Listen to me. If you were to go to the doctor and you're having pains in your chest and he tells you you're going to have to have a heart transplant. Now, the one thing you don't want is to go lay down on the table, have the heart transplant. God, or, or the doctor, the surgeon, take your heart out, put another heart in you, and you not be any different than you was before you. God said the result in Ezekiel of this heart transplant. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. Now, now, now listen. I, I want to be real clear right here. If your idea in getting to heaven is looking at God's law and saying, I'm going to get to heaven by perf perfectly walking in the commandments and the judgments of God. You ain't going. Amen. But you also need to understand if God, if you claim God has given you a new heart, what you should have received is a changed life. Right. There's a really good chance that if you, if you believe that you're going to heaven, but there's been no change, there's a good chance you didn't get born again. You just got a dose of religion. Now, now so Jesus gives an explanation from the scriptures, and it really communicates the sovereignty of God in salvation. That is, God initiates, he implements, and he activates the salvation process in your life. No man can do heart surgery on himself. We need a heart, and only God can do that surgery. Secondly, though, Nicodemus must still be kind of confused. But because in verse number 8... He gives him another illustration. And it's not a surgical medical illustration based on Old Testament scriptures. It's an illustration or an explanation in regards to Nicodemus' surroundings. That he might come to better understand something about salvation. Who's not experienced the blowing of the wind. 
Boy, we've experienced that a lot around here lately, haven't we? Jesus says, Nicodemus, the wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou canst hear us the sound thereof, but you can't tell from whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So Jesus says, Nicodemus, the salvation experience, well, if you can understand something about the weather, then you can begin to understand something about salvation. Nicodemus, if you can just learn something about the wind, then it'll teach you a spiritual lesson on how salvation is accomplished. The wind blows where it listeth. You can't tell from where it comes from or where it's going. So it is, it's just like this, Nicodemus, with everyone that is born of the Spirit. Have you ever felt the wind blow? Come on, I was talking to all of you. Now, I don't remember the first time I ever experienced the blowing of the wind. I don't even remember, by the way, when it was I began to recognize what it was when the wind blew. But what I do know is that I understand every time it blows now, I know what it is. How am I going to get to where I'm wanting to get to? You see, there's some things we need to understand about the wind that we might understand something about salvation. Now, one thing that I've learned about the wind is it's uncontrollable. What I mean is, not only do you not know where it comes from or where it's going, you can't command it to come, and you can't command it to go. He blows where he wants to. It's uncontrollable. No, no, no. Why it's so important that we understand this is because the wind in the Bible is always illustrative of a type of the Holy Spirit. He's a person, not a thing. He's somebody, not an it. He's God above, not a man below. And he goes where he wants to, when he wants to, and you can't stop him. Here's the thing. When he decides to blow, he's going to blow. And when he decides to stop, he's going to stop. And there's nothing the preacher or you can do to start him when he's not moving or to stop him once he starts. And I think it's important that we understand that because Jesus describes salvation by saying this, No man cometh unto me except the Father draw him. How does he do that? The Spirit of God. How do you know, how do you know 
when the wind blows. Man, the first church I pastored was only like a year or so after I got saved, I think. Or, or I'm sorry, surrendered to the ministry. It might not have even been that long. But, but there was a couple of ladies in that church. And if you couldn't tell when the wind was blowing, they would let you know. All you had to do was ask, ask Miss Irene. Irene, is the wind to blow it? You don't even got to ask her. She's sitting all the way back there on the left-hand side, and she'd let you know when God started moving. What was that other lady's name, Miss Joan, that, that, that said, never mind, we'll never remember it today. But she'd let you know. And she knew when the wind was blowing because she had experienced it before. You see, not only is the wind of God, the Spirit of God, uncontrollable, but He's unforgettable. You know, I'll ask people, if, if, if you're around me long, I'm going to eventually ask you if you've ever been saved, if you've ever been born again. You ain't going to spend a whole lot of time around me without me asking you that question. If you were to die today, where are you going to spend eternity at? And it's amazing to me at the amount of people that you ask that question and they say, well, I don't know. Or what is worse still is to ask a church member if you've ever been born again and them say, well, I hope so. No, 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 no. Listen to me. I told you I don't even remember how old I was. But I ain't never forgot the first time I recognized the wind blowing. I'm 50 some odd, I don't even know how old I am. I'm 50 some odd years old right now. And I still remember what it is when the wind blows. And if you've ever had an encounter with the Holy Spirit of God and you've been born again, you'll never forget that. It's an unforgettable, undeniable experience. Now, now, Jesus even seems to communicate to Nicodemus, you can't understand it. And, and boy, I, re I really wish that, that I could put into words this morning in such a way to explain what God done inside of me that changed me on the outside. But I just can't, the human language seems to break down in trying to communicate it. So Jesus says, Nicodemus, it's just like when the wind blows. You can't explain it. But you can experience it. I, I can't tell you how weather patterns work. And by the way, neither can weather men. Anybody notice that? <laughs> They get paid for nothing. I ain't never known anybody get, except politicians and weathermen get paid for lying. Now, 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 now listen. I, I don't understand how all of that works. But, but I can feel it when the wind blows. And, and, and listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one of these people that believes that salvation 
ought to be rooted and grounded in your feelings, right the opposite. I believe it ought to be rooted and grounded in faith based on fact. But if you had an experience with God that you didn't feel, you didn't get born again. I'm telling you, I'm glad that we've got a God that walks with us and talks with us and, and has a, a relationship with us that we can sense it when he's around and we can sense it when he's not. Nicodemus, to be born again is like heart surgery. It's like the wind blowing. It's communicating the supernatural aspect, the mystery of salvation, some things you just can't explain. You've got to experience them for yourself. Thirdly and finally, Nicodemus, man, he's still not getting this thing. But because Jesus goes on to continue illustrating what it is like, and he draws another illustration from the Old Testament. Now remember, Nicodemus, he's a Bible student. How many of you know who Moses is? Well, good, you ought to get this one. And, and it's almost like Jesus is saying, uh, Nicodemus, this is it. If you don't get it this time, I'm, I can't help you. Verse number 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And it's almost like he closes the book, and he's done with his illustrations. Now, Nicodemus, in his mind, I'm certain he knew who Moses was. And he'd have went all the way back into the Old Testament to the book of Exodus when God delivered his people out of the children of Israel and they crossed the Red Sea and they made it into the wilderness. Aren't you glad that God brings us out of Egypt? A picture of slavery and sin. God brought them out of Egypt and they get to the wilderness and they act like Baptists. For those of you who don't know, I'm not insulting Baptist. I is one. But they start grumbling and complaining. Hey, could I just say it this way? They act like Christians. I don't care what denomination you are. They start complaining and bickering and griping. We ain't got no water. Moses, we ain't got no food. Why didn't you just let listen to this? This is literally a question they asked Moses. Why didn't you just let us die in Egypt? It would have been better for us to have died in Egypt than to come out here into the wilderness where there ain't no water. Stop just a minute. Do y'all remember how they crossed the Red Sea? God parted the water. They walked across on dry land. And now they're in the desert and they think God can't give them water. And they begin complaining. I'm telling you, act like a bunch of Christians. <laughs> Griping and grumbling. Oh, it's too hot in here. Would somebody please turn the air up? Somebody turn the heat up. It's cold in here. <laughs> Belly aching about something. And, and listen, you need to understand this. God got angry. Because they were grumbling. So angry 
that the Bible says God sent snakes, serpents, into the camp. And when the serpents bit the people, the people found out they were venomous and began dying. Think about that for just a moment. How serious is God when it comes to your griping? He killed people in the desert for it. We're going to have a praise session here in a minute. You won't be pouting. (laughs) So the serpents are biting the people and they're dying. Now we we need to pause for just a minute because Moses, man, Moses done something that most people have already forgotten about, even Christians. I can almost see what the average church member would have done in our day and time. Just day before yesterday, I'm out here behind the church. My son, if y'all have seen that black piece of junk truck sitting out back, I was working on that truck. And I walked around the truck, and, and, and I come around the bed of the truck like this, and, and I squatted down by the rear tire, and I looked over to my left, and where I had just stepped over, there was a snake about five, six foot long stretched out across there. Listen, I ain't one of them snake-handling preachers. You ain't never got to worry about showing up at church and finding me dancing behind the pulpit with a snake in my hand. The only dancing I'm going to do is just like I did when I was out there. (laughs) Neighbors probably thought I just got filled with the Holy Ghost or something. (laughs) No, I was looking for a hose, what I was doing. And, 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 And if I'd have got bid out there and you'd have pulled up in the driveway, what would have been your first response? You may tell you what most people's first response would be. We need to get you to the hospital. We need to get you to the doctor. Now listen, I'm all about hospitals and doctors. I ain't in no hurry to die. I'm going to heaven and I want to see Jesus, but I don't mean I got to go today. But that should not be the Christian's first response. And I can almost see the leaders of Israel Man, somebody got to come up with some anti-snake venom or we're all going to die. But not Moses. Moses got down on his face before God. Please hear, if you don't hear nothing else I say the rest of this morning, please hear this. Moses' prayer was something like this. God, this is my family. This is my brothers and my sisters. This is my mom and my dad and my children. These are people that I've grown up with, Lord. These are my friends and these are my family. Please, God. Please don't let my family die. God, please. I'm begging you, please. Don't let my family... You see, most of you are more concerned with persuading your children... Children are not the author and the finisher of their salvation. Jesus is. 
And we need to do more business with God than we do with our family. We need to be begging and pleading with God to save our family. And that's what Moses was doing. And God said, okay, Moses, I tell you what I'm going to do. You take a snake, an image made out of brass, a, a, a type, a picture of what's killing them, and you nail it to a pole. And you hold the pole up. And if the people will look at the pole, they'll live. Think about that. Now, now, can you hear somebody sitting there? Here's all they got to do. Look at what's killing them. Hanging on a pole. And they'll live. And I know, man, there's somebody sitting in that church. And they say, oh, that's too simple. It won't work. What are we going to do about the poison? God's dealing with the poison on the pole. And it was an Old Testament picture of what Jesus was going to do when he came into this world and did accomplish at Calvary. He who knew no sin became sin. And was crucified on the cross. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So here's how simple salvation is. Just look at what was killing you. Nailed to the cross. But here's the trouble. Here's the difficult thing is the faith that was required to believe that something hanging on a cross could save them from a snake bite. How many of you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and God the Son? That He came into this world And he carried your sin and my sin to the cross. And on that cross, not only was God's son crucified, but God punished your sin and my sin in his son on the cross. That he was buried and three days later, he rose again. Do you believe that? Well, boy, that's some good news. Guess what? So did the devil's. The Bible says, you believe in God, you do well. But even the devils believe and not only believe, they tremble. I know I'm 19 minutes over, but we're going to stay. You see, here's the difference. And somebody who is truly saved. And somebody who thinks they're saved. Hopes they're saved. I believe that that chair will hold me up. Come on, I ain't that big. I really believe that that chair will sustain 
my weight, my frame. I, I believe that if I sit down in that chair, it'll keep me where I want to be and stop me from going where I don't want to go. I believe that. But the question is this. Is that chair doing anything for me? I believe it with every fiber of my being. But that chair ain't helping me a bit. I believe in it. Surely that will hold me up. But the problem is, it's not doing anything for me because I'm still standing on my own. Boy, don't that take a load off. I get tired sometimes too. Now, now the chair is actually doing something for me. It is holding me where I want to be. Stop trying to hold on to God. When God wants to hold on to you. It's keeping me from where I don't want to be. And I'm not doing it. The chair is. Did you know that the Bible says, if any man, woman, boy, or girl, is in, in Christ, they're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become what? New. Now, now listen to the point. Of Jesus' entire conversation with Nicodemus. That whosoever should believeth in him. Should not perish. But have everlasting life. You see it really is that simple. What, what does it mean? What is, what is, Joel, what is your part? What is my part? Is, is there anything that, that. We do in response to God in salvation. The Bible says that all that believed him, he gave power to become the sons of God. All that received him, he gave power to become the sons of God. So there is a part that you and I play. You see, listen, friend, God's not in the business of throwing people down on a table and operating without their permission. You've got to believe in him enough to lay down and allow him to do the surgery. What does that look like? Well, for me, in November of 1989, it looked like this. I, I was sitting just like you're sitting in a church service, just like this. And, and our pastor, man, he just had a way of every time he preached a sermon, he preached right at me. I, I mean, he acted like he wasn't nobody, no other sinners in the church except me. And every Sunday, he did the same thing at the end of the service. I know it's become old-fashioned, but he still gave what we call an old-time, old-fashioned invitation. 
And he would ask for those that wanted to be saved to, to, to come down to the front. And I remember, man, every single Sunday I did the same thing. Not every Sunday because I didn't go every Sunday, but every time John made me go. We had them old-timey wooden pews. You know what I'm talking about? I grabbed a pew in front of me, and I'd stand up. And I would not let go of that pew to say, I mean, I'd have a death. My knuckles had turned plum white. All the blood run out of them holding on to that pew. But, but because I, I knew, I knew I needed to be saved. I believed what he was saying, Billy. I believed that Jesus was God's son, Joel. I believe he came into the world. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose again the third day. I knew Christmas was about Jesus, not about Santa Claus. That Easter was about the resurrection and not about the Easter bunny. And yet I stood there Sunday after Sunday after Sunday lost as a golf ball in high weeds. I believed he would hold me up. But something happened on that one Sunday morning in November of 1989. And I, I can't explain it, Miss Natalie. I wish I could put it into words, but I know the wind blew. Because something happened from here to here. It, it wasn't there. I really believe something happened from, from here to here. God done heart surgery. And it did look like for me, it doesn't have to for everybody, but for me, it looked like going down to this altar and getting down and praying a prayer. And when I got down, Joel, one thing I'm certain of, when I got up different, and when I got up, I got up different than I was when I got down. Things I could not stop on my own, God's new heart made me able to do. Amen. So the question is this. I'm not concerned truly with how long you've been in church this morning. I'm not about to ask you if you've ever been baptized. I've baptized more lost people than saved people probably. And I don't say that <laughs> laughingly. I say it heartbroken. I'm not asking you if you're a member of a church or if you've even prayed a sinner's prayer. I don't care how religious you are. The question that I want to put to you this morning is, have you been born again? Have you experienced a blowing of the wind? As we stand to our feet, I want you to answer this question. Have you had a spiritual heart surgery? Vision makes their way to the stage. I want to ask everyone, if you would, to bow your eyes and bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I'm glad I caught that before you did. I, I believe that there is no more important time than this time right here. The point of decision. There's nobody looking around this room but me, Pastor Joel, and the Spirit of God. If, if you cannot say emphatically, yes, Pastor, I have been born again. I'm going to heaven one of these days. If you don't have a recollection of an experience 
of the Spirit of God, the wind blowing and changing your direction. If you don't have a recollection of an open heart spiritual surgery taking place in your life, would you just right now ever so slightly lift your hand in the air we're not here to embarrass you or put you on the spot we want to pray for you right there where you're standing maybe you're joining with us online here this morning and God's dealing with you that you need to be born again I've already told you I don't believe that we're saved by a prayer that we pray but that you would cooperate with God this morning and have a place to come back to a time in your life to recall this experience. If that is you, would you pray this prayer with me and just say, Heavenly Father, I admit that I have sinned. And God, I know that you are holy and that my sin has offended you. I understand that I'm deserving of the death penalty. Eternal separation from you in hell is what I deserve. But God, that's not what I want. I want forgiveness. And I believe you've made that possible. Because I believe your son came into this world, died on the cross, and paid for my sin completely. I believe not only was he crucified but that he was buried and I believe that three days later he rose again and because he's so much more than man because he's God he can give me eternal life and so Father I ask you in his name to forgive me give me your spirit your heart Help me live the rest of my life serving and pleasing you. Thank you. Thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Aren't you glad to be saved today? As we sing this song, why don't you worship like you're glad to be saved today? Maybe you want to find yourself a place in this altar and just thank God that you've been born again. He didn't know you that, Joel, but he gives it to us freely. Amen? Quite simply because he loves us. Let us sing. Seems like all I could see was the struggle Haunted by ghosts that lived in my past. <laughs> 
Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? I could almost preach again, but I'm afraid you won't stay with me. Remember, remember the sign-up sheets outside for Easter service um, and, and our men's and ladies' ministry. And secondly, don't forget Joel's 
powerhouse warriors are playing this weekend. Uh, we'll need some volunteers to pack some lunches. And, and Joel has encouraged us, put some tracks in there, put some scriptures in there, write them a note, um, re- reach out and, and, and be a spiritual influence. And hadn't done much good if we feed the body but starve the soul. Amen. What an opportunity that God has given us to make a spiritual impact in the lives of these young people. Amen. 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 Get me some names. And, and so, so you can get with Joel after church and y'all can work out the logistics. Um, thank you so much for being here to worship with us this evening. Uh, this, well, it's about evening now, ain't it? Okay. Uh, Jerome's, you still got about an hour to get to Jerome's, okay? Father, we are so thankful. So thankful for the family of God. Lord, we know that you went through the ultimate expense of making us a part of the greatest family on planet earth. We're so glad to be able to call you father and know you love us like your children. And God, we believe that you, Lord, you provide when we don't have. You make a way when there is no way. You not only saved us for a relationship in eternity, but for a familial relationship right here right now and so God we're just so grateful to be a part of your family today we pray that you'd use us in a special way to impact our community for the cause in the kingdom of Christ have your will and your way in our lives and we'll be careful to give you the praise for everything that you do in Jesus name we pray and all of God's people said Amen. Amen. Amen